welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. We are going to Romans chapter 4. We're going to continue on from last week. And uh, I believe that the Spirit of God is going to say some things to us tonight. Um, And I'm going to pick up, I'm going to start right off in verse 1 again. And it says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have done something, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way, for the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something that they've earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Father, we thank you for tonight. God, we thank you that your spirit continues to speak and to move. God, I ask right now that you open up eyes and ears and hearts to receive your truth, that your word finds a home in good soil. And God, I ask right now that you fill me with your words and your thoughts, and I say only the things that you want spoken tonight. Help us to meditate and learn and grow from your word and leave this place transformed in your presence. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Have have somebody beside them rub their hair, mess up their hair. Don't mess up their hair. Don't mess up their hair. As a bald man, I can rub somebody's hair, but you can rub my hair all you want and not mess it up. By faith. faith. (laughs) Last week, we talked talked in these first three verses of Romans chapter 4, and we talked about faith and what faith was and how to have faith, and what it looked like to have the kind of faith that Abraham had. And it was so good, I almost broke the side door. But that's another story for another time. I don't think I did break it. We did not break the door. But we talked about faith, picking up here in verse 4. We finished in verse 3. Verse 4 again says, When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they've earned. People are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who were declared righteous without working for it. And here in verse 7 and 8, he quotes out of Psalm chapter 32, verses 1 and 2, and he says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Come on. Can we just thank God for a minute that your sins and my sins and all of our sins collectively are put out of sight of the Lord? That when you go to him and ask him to forgive you for the things you've done, the Bible says he takes your sins and removes them as far as as the east is from the west. Now come on, do you know what that means? It means those babies are gone and those two never meet again. They just go, one goes this way, the other one goes that way, and they are gone. And that's what the Lord does with your sin. And I mean... Maybe I'm a bigger sinner than all of you, but that makes me more excited than I feel like the level of excitement that you have for this verse. Your sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those 
whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Come on. Thank you, Jesus, indeed. He's cleared the record of the sin in your life. When you go to him, the Bible says, if you go to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so when you go to the Lord and you mess up, he says, I'm, I made a mistake. I'm, I did something I shouldn't have done. I sinned. Remember we talked about what sin was two weeks ago? Sin means, or maybe it was even last week, sin means literally to miss the mark. You just missed it. You missed the mark. And the Bible says when you've missed the mark and you've made a mistake and you've made a misstep, you can go to the Lord and he is faithful and just to forgive it. Now, remember, we're working our way through the book of Romans, okay? And so, so far, Paul has been talking about the Romans and he's been talking about the Jewish believers in Rome at the time. And so here he's talking about Abraham. He's like, listen, we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about being a Christian. We're going to talk about being a believer in Jesus. Let's start talking about Abraham, who is the founder, who is the father of our Jewish heritage. And then he brings David in to the equation as well. In verse 6, he said, David also spoke. So here he's talking about Abraham. He's brought David into the equation. David was King David. David was the one who slew Goliath. David is the one who brought the temple back, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. David was one of their heroes. And so Paul, when he's talking to his Jewish believers, he's talking about all these guys about the Lord, about Jesus. And I want to read verse 6 to you again in the Passion Translation. Because it's so good. Do we have? We do have that. It says, even King David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our life. Apart from our works, God's work is enough. Wow. I love, there's three things I like in this. The complete wholeness that comes inside a person. The complete wholeness that comes inside of you. You're not missing something. There's not broken pieces. In Christ, through Christ, you are made completely whole on the inside. The complete wholeness. When God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over you. The translation here, the Passion Translation, uses the word heard over you. It means that he declares it over you, meaning that people hear Cheryl is righteous. God is declaring over Cheryl that she is righteous. And as she goes around, there are people that can hear she is righteous. I declare her righteous. How great is that, that God is declaring you righteous, and it's heard over you. And then it goes off and says, apart from our works, God's work is enough. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. There's no works that you can go out and be like, if I just do this, if I just do one more thing, if I just do this good enough, then I'll earn my salvation. Here he says, God's work is enough. God's work is enough. You know, I know you're all nodding, and you're all amening, and you're all agreeing, but here's what happens. Let's talk about real life for a minute. Somewhere between Sunday after church, when you go home, and the rest of the week, a lot of times we slip into the mindset of works. 
I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to be better. I, if I do this, it somehow it works. I, I get like this big tally sheet of check marks and X's from the Lord, and, and my, my check marks will cancel out my X's of my works. Can I just tell you that's not the way it works? And in fact, you can take your little score bar, your scoreboard, wipe it clean, rip it off your notepad, throw it in the trash, because it doesn't matter. The Lord isn't sitting in heaven with a scorecard of your life, with check marks on the left and X's on the right, and canceling one out for the other one, and saying, well, hey, actually, Sarah, you owe me 17 works for all of your terrible things you've done, and I'm counting here, and I've got a, I've got a scorecard. That's not the way it works. God's work, Christ's work on the cross is more than enough for you. And like I said earlier, when you are faithful and just to go and ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you of your sins. So don't get caught up in works. Don't get caught up in doing, I've got to do this for the Lord so that he finds me acceptable. He doesn't find you acceptable because of your works. He finds you acceptable because he loves you. Let's keep going. Verse 7 and 8, Oh, for what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Can we pause for a second at verse 7 here and talk about that word disobedience? Disobedience. That word is the Greek word anomia, and it means illegality, uh, violation of law or wickedness, a transgression of the law. It means unrighteousness. Uh, I want to say this to you. I want to remind you of this. I know you know this. I know you know this. But God cares about your obedience. God cares that you listen to him, and then you do the things that he said for you to do. God cares about your obedience to him. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 says, Only the willing and the Oh, are you sure about that? <laughs> Only the willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. God cares about your obedience. God, I said this last week, for those of you who weren't here, God will never bless your disobedience. God can't bless your disobedience. Why? Because disobedience, disobeying is a sin. I don't know about y'all, but when I was a kid and I disobeyed, I got spanked. That's the way that I was raised. My family's from the South. That's how we did things in my family. And when I disobeyed, when I missed the mark, when I transgressed and I violated the law of my father or my mother, lots of times I remember the day, too, when I told my mom that her spankings didn't hurt. <laughs> Has anybody else ever been there? Has anybody else ever been that dumb? Like, I'm telling you right now, I was, the, I don't know what I was thinking. It was like a power struggle, and I was like, yeah, spank me all you want. It doesn't hurt. And then came the infamous words, you all know them, wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> and I got sent to my room and had to go wait for my dad to come home, and that's what happened. But it's because I disobeyed. The Lord cares about your obedience deeply, strongly, powerfully. You cannot bless disobedience, okay? He cares about your obedience. Let's keep going here. Verse number 9 says, Now 
is this blessing only for the Jews, the blessing that we just read about in verse 7 and 8, or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith, but how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised, or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised, and we talked a bit about this last week in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. And if you look in verse 3 of chapter 4 here, it says, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. That's a direct quote from Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. And it's when the Lord came and told Abram again and said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And Abram said to God, how can that be when I look around and I have no kids? I've got no kids of my own. And he says that um, uh, one of my servants is going to be the one who inherits all my wealth. And God says, this is what I'm going to do. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, Abraham says, it says that Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous. And it wasn't until Genesis chapter 17, almost 14 years later, when the Lord showed up and made another covenant with Abram and said, I want you to go and circumcise all your male. And that's when they were circumcised. And so what we see here was that he counts Abram faithful before the circumcision, before following. Why are we talking about circumcision? It's weird, I know. But the circumcision is a part of the law. And what Paul was talking about here is, was it the law that made, was it following the law that made Abram counted as righteous, or was it trusting in God that made Abram righteous? And the point is, it was trusting in God, because before he was even circumcised, 14 years before he was circumcised, the Bible says that God counted Abram, who we now call Abraham, as righteous because of his faith. Amen? And in fact, in Barclay's commentary, Barclay says it this way, circumcision was not the gateway to his right relationship with God. It was only the sign and the seal that he had already entered into it. He had already entered into the right relationship with God. And that was just the seal of it. That was the sign of it. But it was the faith that Abram had of trusting in God where he, in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord shows up and says, hey, I want you to go out of this place to a land that I'm, I'm going to show you on the way. And we're going to go out on this journey together. And I'm not going to tell you where you're going, but I want you to pack up everything you have. I want you to pack up all your belongings. I want you to take all your donkeys and your camels. And I want you to get out of here. And I'm going to show you on the way where it is we're going. And that's what Abram did. Abram jumped up and followed the Lord. And because he obeyed God, God counted him as faithful. Verse 11 says, circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted righteous because of their faith. Look at your neighbor on one side, look at a neighbor on the other side, and those people that you're sitting beside are counted righteous because of their faith. 
because of their faith in God, not because of any works, not because of any law that they followed or any rules that they've obeyed, but because of their faith in God. We are counted righteous. When Paul was talking here, and he's talking about Abraham, he says they are counted as righteous, or the ones that haven't been circumcised are counted as righteous because of their faith. The good news is, is both I and you are counted righteous because of our faith in God. Again, it's not about works. It's not about following laws. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about your faith in obedience to the Lord. Obedience. Man, I feel like even since I was a kid, obedience has, has taken a turn for the... What's the, what's the word? Obedience did not used to be optional. Can we say it that way? Obedience did, oh, my obedience was never an option when I was growing up. But now I feel like parents, Jacob and Beth, listen to this, because you're definitely not going to be like this, but you need to listen. It is not an option for your baby to obey you. It is not an option. Your kids don't get to negotiate with you. <laughs> there are no negotiations. Proverbs says, train up your child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart. Why is that? Because you've trained them to obey. And if they will obey you, if you train them when they're young to obey you, guess who else they will have learned to obey as they become functioning, walking, talking adults? The Lord. How hard... We're going to talk about parents for a minute. How hard do you think it would be for your kids to hear the voice of the Lord and obey Him if your kids have never learned to hear your voice and obey you? Yes, God help us. But here's the thing. We are living in a day and an age, we're living in a society where obedience has become a choice. And so kids are growing up choosing whether they will obey or whether they won't. Whether, whether they will obey this person or whether they will obey themselves. And as they grow up and as they mature and as they move into being adults, what happens is, is they then turn to the Lord or they grow in a relationship with them, but they're still stuck with, who do I listen to, myself or God? God is keenly interested in your obedience to him. In fact, all of this hinges, all of what we're talking about right now with Abraham is hinged on Abraham's obedience to the Lord. It was his obedience that caused him to be counted as faithful. So in your life, without raising hands, In your life, are you counted as faithful? Are you following and obeying the Lord as he's led you and as he's told you and as he's spoken to you? Or have you chosen to follow yourself? Because anything less than complete obedience, I heard this a lot growing up. Partial obedience is still full disobedience. You don't get half marks. 
you don't get half marks. You can't say, well, I obeyed a little bit. Yeah, you also disobeyed a little bit. Okay, this was fun. Let's move on. Good times. They are counted righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised. And this is what I love here. I love this phrase. So he's saying, just to remind you, because I've been talking for 10 minutes about something else, he's saying that Abraham is the father of those who were circumcised or weren't circumcised because of their faith. And now he's saying he's also the father of those that have been circumcised. And then he drops this truth bomb right here. And he says in verse 12, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. The kind of faith that causes somebody to get up and leave everything that is known, everything that is normal, everything that makes sense to them, and say, I'm going to step out. I heard the Lord say to me to do something completely crazy, and I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to do that. We have done this in our life multiple times. And we have sat down and had conversations with family members who have tried to talk sense into us and say, what is it you're doing? Where are you going? What do you mean you're packing up? We left Victoria. We were helping my parents at their church in Victoria. We left Victoria, moved to Alberta. We didn't have a job. I didn't have a job because I worked for the church in Victoria. And we were moving to Alberta. We didn't know why we were going there. We, we had a sense that the Lord was leading us there. We didn't know why. We didn't know what we were going to do, but we knew it was God. And so we sold our house. We sold our house, and we bought a house in Alberta in the same week in a market that was not moving. And in that whole time, we still had no job, but we still knew the Lord was calling us to do it. These are the kind of stories in your life where you can say, this is me trusting in the Lord in the midst of the unknown and getting up and obeying his. That's what Paul is talking about here is the kind of faith that Abraham had. Verse 13. Clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. A right relationship with God that comes by faith. A right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. If you could get it by your works, then you wouldn't have to have faith. But you can't get it by your works. Your works don't amount to a hill of beans in context of your salvation. Sorry, not sorry to tell you that. <laughs> 15 says, For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way, Paul says, to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. The only way to avoid not breaking the law is to get rid of the law completely. And what the deeper thought that Paul is talking about here is actually the thought of the universe tending towards entropy, towards chaos. And so, have you ever noticed 
how when there is a law, there is a rule of something you can't do, there's also a part of you that suddenly wants to do the thing you can't do. What? Like fly? <laughs> I was thinking more like, br like normal laws, not like, <laughs> I mean, sure, fly. <laughs> Gravity. I was thinking like speeding or like, <laughs> you know what I mean though, there's like, as soon as there is like a law, somebody says, don't touch that button. How many of you instantly want to touch the button to find out what happens? <laughs> yeah, wet, wet paint, wet cement, oh, I want to write my name in it. That's the first thing I, I want to put something cool in there. Here's the speed limit. I'm sorry. Well, I just, I feel, I told you about the whatever is reasonable and prudent signs in Montana years ago. Oh, those were just like, those were joy to my heart when I saw those signs. You know, and so what Paul was talking about is the only way not to break a law is to not have the law. You have to get rid of the whole law. And so he's talking about, and even listen, you can go back to the garden, and right away, there's the whole garden, Adam and Eve are in the whole garden. They have everything in front of them, don't they? All the fruit, all the trees, all the leaves, all the things, all there. And the Lord says, but there's one tree. There's only one tree in this entire garden, one. Out of probably, I don't know how many, more than seven is a safe assumption. And the Lord says, you can't touch this one. And what happens? That's where temptation comes in. The serpent shows up and says, well, did he really say that you, hmm, all the trees? What about this one? Look how shiny and nice this one looks. Maybe you should just have a bite of this one. Paul says the only way to not break the law is to completely get rid of it. And I want to I show you something here. In verse 13 and in verse 16, he says, clearly God's promise. And in verse 16, he says, so the promise is received by faith. There's two kinds of promises that are talked about in the New Testament. One is the kind of promise where um, I will do this if you will do this. I'm going to do this thing, and I promise I will do this thing if you do this, okay? I will sell you my camel if you will give me 17 coconuts. Deal? Deal. Great. I promise you this. There's another kind of promise, and that's the kind of promise that is talked about here when Paul was talking. And this promise is the Greek word um, epangelia, and it means this, a thing promised, a gift graciously given, not a pledge secured by negotiation. The idea is it is something that you give to somebody because you love them. I promise to give you this regardless of what you do or don't do. Here is my promise. This is yours. Regardless of the works that you do, it's a free gift for all of you, and I'm giving it to you, and I promise it. And that's the kind of promise that he's talking about here. He says, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based on his faith. Isn't that good? Isn't it good that God is not like you and me? That seems like a jerky thing to say, doesn't it? Not jerky like food that you eat, like a jerk statement. But we serve a God who is so much better than truthfully you or I will ever be on this planet. He doesn't love us 
the way that you love other people. And he doesn't even love us the best that we could love people. He loves us beyond that. He doesn't love you based off of what you have done or haven't done. He loves you because he loves you. He loves you because you're his children. He loves you because he desires to be in a relationship with you. He just loves you. The promise is received by faith. It's given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. And you keep hearing Paul saying this reference to having faith like Abraham. And I want to remind you what Abraham's faith was like. We talked about this last week. Abraham's faith, and I just talked about this seven and a half minutes ago, was the kind of faith where he trusted God regardless of the circumstances. And he counted God as faithful to do what he said he was going to do. I want to remind you that God is desiring for his people, for Jaden and for Alyssa and for Josh and for Marco and for Angela and Pat and Margaret and for me and for France. He's desiring us to be in a relationship with him where we trust him and take him at his word. Listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Lord knows a whole lot better his plans for you than you could ever figure out your own plans for your own life. And if you could ever just trust the Lord like Abraham did and let go of all those things that we think are security, those things that we think hold us down and anchor us and make sense to us, sometimes, listen, I want to tell you this, the Lord wants to take you on a journey. It doesn't matter how old you are doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. The Lord wants to take you on a journey where you are required to walk in faith and trust him beyond yourself. And I want to tell you this. If you're walking with the Lord and it's not requiring you to be in faith and to be trusting the Lord and you can do it all by yourself, well, you're probably not walking on the path that he has for you to call to walk on. If you can do it by yourself, if you don't need the Lord's help, that's just a Sunday afternoon walk. That's not a journey of faith. And Paul keeps coming back and saying, what I'm talking about here is you are children of God. You are made right by your faith. But when I say you're made right by your faith, I'm talking about the kind of faith where you trust the Lord beyond yourself. And maybe that's the word for some of us tonight. Are you trusting the Lord beyond yourself? Are you trusting the Lord beyond your job? Are you trusting the Lord beyond the government? Are you trusting the Lord beyond family and beyond relationships and beyond all these ways that we have invented and created and they're there for good reason and help take care of us? Like you should use doctors and you should use the bank and you should, you should, use, you should use these things. But if the Lord came to you and said, actually, I have a better way for you, who would you trust? I'm thinking right off the top of my head, I'm thinking of Joshua and Caleb. 
And they sent those spies into the promised land, the, the land that the Lord said, I am giving you. In fact, the land that we're talking about right now, when, when God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you so many descendants, and I'm going to have this land, and the land's going to be flowing with milk and honey. Same land we're talking about. And that is Joshua and Caleb and the other ten spies went in and looked at this land. And the ten spies said, we can't do this. We're like grasshoppers. And what did Joshua and Caleb say? We can do this. We can do this. If the Lord's on our side, we can do this. And I want to go through here, and I want to finish up at verse 25. So bear with me for just a minute. Verse 17 says, this is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead things back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. This happened because Abraham believed in a God who brings the dead things back to life and creates new things out of nothing. This is the God that we serve. Even in verse 18, when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Can I tell you this? Faith goes the distance. Faith goes the distance. Faith doesn't stop when it gets hard. Faith doesn't stop when it doesn't make sense. Faith doesn't stop when it doesn't see a way through it on its own. Faith goes the distance. When it says here, Abraham, for no reason, for, it says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Some of you need to keep hoping even when it seems like there's no reason for you to have hope anymore. When in the natural you could look at it and say, there's no reason, I this is dead, this is gone, this is over, this is done. But he says, even against all hope, Abraham hope. And it talks about the previous verse. This happened because Abraham believed in a God who would bring the dead things back to life or create new things out of nothing. So because he had that belief in God, he hoped against all hope. Even when there was no reason, he kept saying, but God said. But God said, I'm 75 years old, and God says I'm going to have a baby. But God, I'm 75. Who wants to have a baby when they're 75? Pat, you want to have a baby? You want to have a baby? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Even when it made no sense, he kept on hoping. It says, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about 100 years old, he figured his body was dead, or as good as dead. And rightfully so. <laughs> and he said, and Sarah's womb, that's not going to, there's, there's no baby going to grow in there anymore. That lady's 90 years old. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. His faith grew stronger. Faith goes the distance. I don't want to tell you this. Your faith grows. 
How does your faith grow? By exercise. By exercise. Everybody's like, wait a second. If faith grows by exercise, that means the Lord has to put me in situations where I have to exercise my faith. I have a friend that, that I work out at the gym with. And when I started working out with him, uh, I'm very, like, practical. I, I count, like, when I do my reps, I, I follow the rules. And so I'll do, like, 10 reps or 12 reps. And, and I'll just go, like, as fast as I could. One, two, three, four. Because I wanted, to get my, I wanted to get to 10, get the star on my chart, and be done. But this guy that I work out with, he's a retired firefighter. He's, like, 57 years old. And so he would always slow me down, and he would always say this. Jake, it doesn't matter how fast you do the reps. It doesn't matter how fast you're exercising. What matters is time under tension. That's what builds your muscle, is time under tension. So I could do 10 reps. I could do 12 reps. I could do 15 reps as fast as I could. But what matters more than, than getting that 10, 12, 15, and crossing off the, the chart was slowing down and having my muscle be exercised and be under tension. Your faith grows when it's time under tension. When the Lord says, Marco, I'm calling you out. I've got something for you to do. And you get up and follow the Lord and spend time under that tension, time in that pressure, time when it's taking longer than you think it should take for the Lord to work in your life the way that you're hoping that he's working. But what I want to tell you is that the Lord doesn't always work the way that you want him to work. The, the Lord works in ways that are beyond your thoughts and beyond your capabilities and beyond, yes, even beyond your understanding. But what he's looking for is people who have faith like Abraham, who will exercise their faith, who will grow in their faith, who will use their faith. And this is what we were talking about last week, is using your faith. Guys, I want to tell you, Jenna, now is the time for you to begin to exercise your faith. Do reps of faith and go to the gym of faith and learn to exercise your faith and grow in your faith because you need to have the kind of faith that is strong and vibrant and real and alive to fight the good fight of faith. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. Verse 21, I love. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. Do you have any promises the Lord has made you? I'm not going to make you shout them out. You can put up your hand. Nobody has any promises the Lord? Okay. I want to remind you tonight that God is faithful and God is able to do whatever he has promised you that he would do. Do not believe the enemy. Do not believe the lies. Make your faith go the distance. Exercise your faith. Grow in faith. Trust the Lord. Walk on the journey. Walk on the road with him as long as it takes watching and seeing what he will do in your life. Amen? Let's read these last few verses. 
Verse 22, and because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Do you not love how Paul just casually drops in here Jesus Christ? He's talking to the Jews. He's talking about having faith like Abraham and he casually drops in when you have faith in God who raised his son Jesus Christ from the dead. Stand up with me. I know I went a bit long, but I wanted to get through chapter 4 tonight, and I wanted to remind you that God is calling us to have faith like Abraham did. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. There's no... Um, there's no age limit in the kingdom of God. There's no, you're too young. Sorry, I'd love to use you. Sorry, I'd love to see you exercise your faith. Sorry, I'd love to watch you grow in your faith. Sorry, I'd love to do this for you, but you're too young. Or you know what? I had plans for your life, but you're just too old now. Sorry, you missed it. Sorry, you can't do it. No, there's no age limit in the kingdom of God. And what the Lord has promised, he's faithful to do it. Whatever it looks like, you've just got to continue to trust in him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word brings truth. I thank you that your word brings life. God, I thank you that your word brings healing. Father, I thank you that all across this place that you are stirring up the spirit of faith inside of us. And God, I thank you that you are reminding us of those things that you have spoken to us, those dreams, those desires, those plans that you've given us, the things that you've said to, this, to us, this is what I've called you to do, this is where I want you to go, this is who I've called you to be. God, I thank you that you are reminding us of those things, that you're bringing them back to the forefront of our mind and our thoughts. And God, I thank you that you're reviving, refreshing those things inside of us. God, that you're giving us a chance to exercise our faith, to grow in our faith, to learn how to use our faith, to walk in our faith, to be the people of faith that you have called us to be. That we would have faith like Abraham, that when he calls us out, so when you call us out, that we will follow hear your voice, that we will obey, and that we will be people who are known, people who are known to be followers of you, people who are known Thank to step Jesus. out and walk in faith, people who are known to hear and understand and obey the voice of the Lord. Father, I thank you that you are sealing these things in our heart by your Spirit. Thanks so much for joining us today. 
We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.